Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Audaciously Speaking. This is actually going to be the episode that's going to start off a series of episodes. I'm very excited about it. And before I go any further, I want to say hello to my niece and my nephew, Luke, and my niece, Bella. This is for you guys. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you about an experience that I had at the University of Miami as a freshman. And what I learned from it, in hindsight, and at that moment. So there are lessons that we learn when we look back at things, and there are lessons that we learn right then and there as we're experiencing it. And these lessons helped me way after the experience. So I'm hoping it's going to help you too. I wanted to talk about how at the University of Miami, it was 1988. This was before the Americans with Disability Act. And it's after the Rehabilitation Act of Section 504. I went there and I was really excited about it. It's supposed to be the Harvard of the South. That's what I was told back in 1988. There were articles and everyone's so excited that I was going. It was a really big deal. And I was the first person in my family um, to go to college. So it's a bigger deal. And then, of course, we have to remember that I'm disabled. And so that makes it an even bigger, bigger deal. And so it is. Anyway, I was having a really good time there. You know, I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed the professors. I enjoyed everything. One day, I had to use the bathroom. And I didn't know where to go. So there's a sign in the eye, which, by the way, the building, the student union, and everybody is there. It's right next to the bookstore. It's in near the eye where people buy their food, watch TV. There's a bowling alley. I mean, it was the place to be. And in the breezeway, that's where you're going to find a lot of people um, with tables set up, always asking you to sign a petition or join their club or, you know, really get involved in the whole school, college environment. And I was so excited about that. And so I said, does anybody know where the bathroom is? So these people point to the door. And I'm like, okay, great. So there's a door for the men. And there's a door for the women. And then there are um, water fountains. So I went ahead and I go into the female one. And I notice that there is not a single stall that I can use. At the very, very end, though, there is a stall that's not really a stall. Yes, it has a toilet. But then it has a shower curtain and a rod for the shower curtain. And I'm thinking to myself, no way. They really do not think that someone in a wheelchair is going to use that. How is that right? So I thought, there must be a mistake. And I go outside and I look to see who can give me an explanation of it. And I see somebody, one of the custodians. And I said, excuse me, I have to use the bathroom. Can you tell me which one? So she points to the same exact area. And I said to her, nope, it's not there. I don't find one. And she looks at me like, how can that be? So she tells me to follow her. And I do. 
And you know what? She pointed to that same stall with nothing there except a shower curtain. And I said to her, this can't be it. And she spoke more Spanish than English. So I told her in Spanish, like, this is not it. This can't be it. And she said, yep, that's what they have. And I go, no, I can't go to the bathroom there. That's not right. So the woman said, if you want, I can stay there and watch to make sure that nobody bothers you. And I really, really had to go. So I said, okay, okay. Now I'm taking a chance on a stranger holding the door of a shower curtain door, because not even a door, to make sure that nobody invades my privacy. But I was really upset. So I finished, I washed my hands, I thanked her, and I knew I had to get to the bottom of this. I could, this cannot be it. And I thought about it, and I go, what happens to the rest of the campus? So as time went on, I started looking for more bathrooms to see if there were any for people who use wheelchairs, nothing. And I went ahead and I thought, this is so weird. I'm 18 years old. And in my entire life, I have never had to go to the bathroom with a door that is a shower curtain. I went home, of course, on the day that happened, and I told my mom. And she was like, that's crazy. I go, totally, that's insane. I had to do something about this. And um, I went ahead and I asked Dr. Flipsy, who is the person that is supposedly the person that all disabled people went to during their time at the University of Miami for any um, needs or for any um, suggestions or anything at all. If you are a disabled person, ask Dr. Flipsy. He is the man. So I asked him, and he comes and he meets me at the eye, and he says to me, oh, what's the problem? So I told him. And he said, you can always go to the clinic if you have to use the bathroom. And I'm thinking, um, okay, where's the clinic? And the clinic is far away. So if I have to use the bathroom, I have to go far away. But everybody else gets to use all of these bathrooms. Why don't they just fix the one that has the shower curtain? And, you know, Dr. Flipsy, if you know him, He's almost like a Santa Claus-looking man, very jolly, very happy, and everything is pretty much laughed off or not a big deal kind of attitude. And I'm thinking, well, then nobody should have a door. If I don't get a door, nobody else should. It's not fair. Now, mind you, this is before the ADA, so no one's here about thinking, oh, yeah, we're doing something wrong. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know that there was a law in place before the ADA that was supposed to ensure me of having some kind of respect, you know, to go to the bathroom. I went ahead and I'm like, okay, no problem. So I'm really having an issue with this because the University of Miami campus is very large. And to have to go to the bathroom at the clinic was not something I wanted. So I'm telling you this because right now I can say it to you calmly, but at the time, I was very angry. I mean, we're talking very hot-headed about this. 
because I couldn't believe it. The University of Miami is so expensive. How do they get away with this? Why are they doing this to me? That's what I'm thinking. Why are they doing this to me? I didn't ask to be humiliated this way. So I'm getting really upset about it. And then someone said, you know what you should do? You should write a letter to the University of Miami newspaper, The Hurricane. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know how that's going to help me, but okay. So I go ahead and I write it. And then the University of Miami says to me, The Hurricane, the, the newspaper says, why don't you just write a column on it? I thought, okay, I'll do that. So I went ahead and I wrote a column because a lot of people with titles were telling me how I was making a big deal over nothing. As a matter of fact, you're not going to believe this, but even other students were like, well, it's not a big deal. Just go to the clinic and come back. Then I found out that there was actually a bathroom I could use on the second floor of the student union building, but I had to go, you know, push a little farther than everyone else. And no one thought that was a problem either. I'm thinking in my brain, why don't you go a little farther? Why do I have to? I'm the one in the wheelchair. Why do I have to take more steps, more actions to get what you get for nothing? But, you know, we'll let it go. So I wrote the article in the newspaper, and I remembered that instead of getting, oh, good for you, you know, way to go, I actually got more heat about it. In the end, I had written, surfed up, dude, because I said I was going to cause waves. Because by now, I'm really getting upset. I started noticing how many other things on campus were not accessible to me. I was actually struggling, and I didn't even know that I was struggling when I didn't have to be. For example, you know, sliding doors, automatic doors, they should be everywhere. Why do I have to struggle opening those doors? Or why do I have to walk slowly so that when I see somebody who can walk that's going in the same direction, I'm hoping, okay, they're going to open the door the same time I get there, and then they'll hold the door for me. Yeah, that's what I'll do. And then I realized now, decades later, that I was actually training myself to do what I needed based on the actions of others. So it would be convenient for them. So it's not about me struggling opening that door. It's about me going slow enough and yet fast enough so that whoever gets to that door first will open it for me. Because the doors were so heavy. Also at the University of Miami, there was a huge drop. A long ramp made out of like tile. So when it rained, it would be dangerous for me to go down that. But once again, I did my very best to avoid going down that area. So in a way, I was using these, I was doing actions that made my life easier at the moment. But also, I was missing out on things just because they weren't available to me like everyone else. Interesting, but true. Then I said, you know what, Natasha, just go have a good time. So go to a football game. I said, all right, cool, I'm going to go to a football game. 
and I wanted to get a ticket. I saw everybody lined up, so I got on that line too, because they were all going to go to a football game. When it was my turn, first of all, the counter is way up there. So now I feel like a little girl asking for permission to go to a football game. And the person says to me, oh, no, we don't have a ticket for you. I'm like, what? Why not? No, if you want a ticket, then you can go with you have an ID. But if you want to bring someone, you have to give them a ticket. You have to go all the way to the, I think it was like the athletic department building. And you actually have to take a car to get there because there's no way I can push all that. So I'm like, well, I can't do that. Why do I have to go all the way over there? I'm like, oh, because, you know, you need, you know, special tickets. And I'm thinking, well, don't you have any for me there? And they go, no, I'm so sorry. So now you can tell. I'm not the happiest person. It is my freshman year. I'm really getting aggravated. And I don't know what to do about it. Well, that's when I realized that the more I told people about the situation... And the more I told the right people about the situation, the more ideas I was gathering about what to do about the situation. It's not about complaining. It's about telling people what the circumstances are, what the conflict is, and that you have a desire to change this. And I'm thinking, I have done this before. This is not the first time that a school or an institution of education has given me problems. I'm like, okay, I'll handle it. But I was angry. I'm going to tell you that out. As a freshman, I was angry. Well, lo and behold, I go to my composition writing course, I think it's called, and it's a freshman course. And my professor, Adrian Peaver, goes ahead and tells the class that we're going to do um, a research paper. And you know what? I hate research papers. And I hate them because I hate researching. I just don't like looking through all that stuff. To this day, I avoid anything that has a lot of, you know, forms to fill out and research. Ugh, I don't like it. So when he said that, I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. Not fun at all. And I didn't know what to do it on. Because I was getting too angry having to deal with the bathroom issue and all the other issues that I was finding. I was actually starting to get worried about, should I drink water? Should I not drink water? Then I have to leave the classroom. And then I have, I have to go to the bathroom. I've got to push all the way to the student union because all the other buildings were the same way with no bathroom. So that was really on my mind more than this research paper. So I'm thinking, hmm, what am I going to do? Well, Professor Peaver said to me, you know, I, you know, he told me he read the article from the newspaper, and I'm like, yeah. And so he said, you know that you can get the blueprint for the entire college. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. I said, how? So he told me you know, ask the plantations and people like that. And I go, oh, okay. And then he said, you can do your research paper 
on the laws regarding this. And I'm thinking, which law? Like, I have absolutely no idea which law he's talking about. And he says, go research it. So I said, okay. And he goes, and you can do your paper on that. And I'm thinking, what? That is so awesome. Because now I'm going to get a grade. At the same time, I'm going to find a way to resolve this situation. I loved it. I was so, so happy. And I said, yes, great, fantastic. So here we go. So I've got a Dr. Flipsing who should have answers for me and doesn't. And I've got a writing professor who knows nothing about the law or my rights. And he's telling me, go for it. Here you go. I'm giving you an opening, an opportunity to do this. Amazing. The people that enter your life when you need them. I said, okay. So I went ahead and I found out about Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act, which states that any institution, whether it's private or public, if they receive federal money, they must make everything with, back in the day, it was handicap accessible. Okay. And I'm thinking, hmm, University of Miami is private, but they get federal money. Well, we've got a problem here, don't we? And there was my key to opening a door, to get a door, so I may use the bathroom like everyone else. It was exhilarating because I was empowered. I said, I am taking action. I am doing this. Now, of course, at the age of 18, I'm not talking like that. At the age of 18, I'm saying, yes, I'm so excited now, now they're going to have to give me that door. Yeah, they're going to have to give me that door the way that my high school had to put ramps everywhere, the way that my sixth grade elementary school had to put me in the correct classroom. My gosh, that's all I kept thinking is, why do I have to fight for these things? Why me? You know what? I don't know either. Why me? And that's something that we all struggle with when we're giving a major challenge. We start saying, why me? Now, the story doesn't end, although the episode will soon. Because I want you to think about a couple of things. I want you to think about how there's a status quo at this major educational institution. And how no one before me was saying anything about it. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but there was a very famous spinal cord injury person who was a student at the university, and the person never did anything to help the University of Miami become more accessible. Now, that's also for a future episode, but I want you to think, why? Why didn't that person, who probably had more pull than me, do nothing? And why am I struggling, basically alone? Actually, not until later that I gather 
and I find a little team who actually feels like me. For now, this is my takeaway. My takeaway is that all status quo can be broken. And while Dr. Flipsy was a really nice guy, he wasn't doing what I needed for me. I don't know why. I know that you meet unlikely allies like Professor Peaver who come in at the right time and allow you to find the answer and they're willing to help you in their own way. Sometimes we want help from people, but we want it our way. And we have to realize that sometimes we're going to get help from people, but not the way we think we're going to get it. The last thing that I want you to think about for today is that this struggle that I'm going to be telling you about isn't over. There are still institutions all over the country and maybe around the world. But I'm speaking about the United States of America, where we have Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act and the Americans with Disability Act, yet still there are students on campuses all over the country who have to fight for just the idea of going to the bathroom. This is today's episode. What I'd like you to do is I would like you to go to NatashaAlvarez.com and download the free PDF of the five actions that I take when I'm going through major struggles in life. And I'm going to see whether you can spot that I have done those things in the story that I'm telling you now. Remember, I'm doing this to leave something behind for my nephew and my niece and also to make sure that there are other people out there who understand that they're not alone in the struggles that they have. I had them too. I understand. And I want to share with you what I did to get it done. So until next time, when we continue this story, because, oh yeah, it's going to get better. And you're going to hear about how I ticked off a bunch of people. And you're going to find out what I did get done, what I didn't get done. Because that's the way life goes. In the meantime, go to NatashaAlvarez.com and make sure that you are living your life one audacious moment at a time. Talk to you soon.